Thank you for joining us on this episode of MSP 1337, a podcast dedicated to helping MSPs and their clients navigate cybersecurity. Cybersecurity is a journey, but it doesn't mean you have to travel alone. I'm your host, Chris Johnson, and before we get started, I'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Pinpoint Solutions, a consulting firm dedicated to providing cybersecurity leadership and guidance to MSPs and their clients. Think of us as your virtual CISO or security advisor. Head on over to pinpointsolutions.com to find out more. Now on with the show. Welcome to this week's episode of MSP 1337. I'm joined this week by Chad Lauterbach of B Structured Technology Group. Welcome, Chad. Hey, thank you. Thanks for having me, Chris. So Chad, we go back a long time, like almost before we used words like MSP and (laughs) fast forward 15 years later or so, and we're having a conversation that I think stems from what a lot of MSPs talk about, and that is, do I need to become an MSSP? And we've seen it, the buzzwords in the the industry where it's like, uh, you need to go from break fixed to managed services. And we saw a lot of that happen. And we still say, I think break fix can be very profitable. I'm not going to ever tell anybody they can't do that because we see that stereotype get broken all the time. Yeah. And then we talk about what does it mean to go manage services to the new catchphrase, which is to be an MSSP. And I actually stumbled upon your website in, in looking for definitions around what does it mean to be an MSSP? What's the difference between, you know, that and, and an MSP? And, and, and there's a lot of key differences and they all say, you know, both are providing security services or should be. But one of the big differences, and we were just talking about this, is that security service offerings can no longer be like, I just include them in my MSP offering because it needs to be intentional and there needs to be an understanding with the client that says, hey, these are services that are unique to what I need in my organization to improve my security posture and, and really combat what's out there. Um, and it's not just called, you know, oh, well, AV is included in our stack. And so I was on your website and we started talking about this managed services. We would say, oh yeah, we, we, we manage your firewall. Um, but that's not managing the security aspects of why the firewall is there. So I was on your site and that was one of the first things I noticed, you know, you, you called it advanced firewalls with hardening services. So talk me through a little bit about your sort of step from like, hey, we're an MSP and making this sort of intentional uh, an effort to say, we're going to be an MSSP. And what did that look like? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you know, gosh, I would say it started out a little bit haphazard, probably not that dissimilar from our conversion from BreakFix to MSP, right? Is okay. we started uh, grabbing some services, right? We're like, oh man, we need a patch management service. Oh, we need a monitoring service. Oh, we need a BDR service. And then we started to realize, wow, we're starting to look like an MSP. Let's like package this in a way that makes sense for our clients. This obviously was like 11 years ago or whatever, sure. 12 years. but you know, let's start to package this together in a way that makes sense for our clients to really be their IT department, have a flat rate fee that they can understand and grapple with that contains all these products and services that they need to keep their business operational. Right. And, you know, like you said, you know, there, there just wasn't as much of a security focus 11 years ago that there was today. 
And it's not that we didn't install a firewall or didn't do BDR, uh, but you know, as things have progressed over these years, I'd say five or six years ago, we started to see more need for security services. So, and again, we kind of started grabbing at individual services, right? So, oh, we have a client that needs email encryption. Oh, we have a client that needs two-factor authentication. Oh, right. we have a client that needs this. And, and so we started to kind of collect these security services. And then we realized like, oh gosh, we, you know, not only is it becoming more important, it's something we think most of our clients should have. Although interestingly enough, not all of our clients want to spend the money on it. So surprise, not, we're not abandoning the MSP business, you know, because those clients, they, they want just that more limited set of services and that's okay. You know, here's our MSP offering, but here's our security services offering. Yes, it is more expensive because it comes with tools, technology, services, and people here at Be Structured um, that you wouldn't have access to otherwise. And they add another layer of security. So, you know, it, it happened over time, but now we've got to a point where we've packaged a lot of those things into an offering that is an MS, MSSP offering. The 2.0, um, if you the, will. Yeah, the, the MSP 2.0, all that. And uh, that the packaging of that really just happened in the last year and a half maybe you know before it was all kind of msp plus ad hoc security services and it was just in the last maybe two years year and a half where we started to really package that into one thing and you know i'd say the biggest driver for us was we're seeing more and more because you know obviously we're working with small to mid-sized businesses right 20 to 300 employee shops i'd say our medians like 75 employees something like that and um they're, you know, a lot of their customers though are bigger, bigger. companies. Yeah. You know, they could they could be working for Fortune 500 shops, right? So, you know, we have clients that work with the airlines, we have clients that work with the banks, we have client, you know, we have clients that work with all sorts of stuff. So even though we're not working with Fortune 500 right. companies, some of our clients are working with Fortune 500 companies, and a lot of them are now starting to do third and fourth party risk assessment. Right. So they're drilling down, you know, we've talked about not to get too technical, but the NIST 853, the NIST 800 r 2 all the talk about CMMC and that the evolving thing there. Uh, but and even sometimes, you know, you get into PCI, ISO, HIPAA, FINRA, all that stuff that we've done. The, the alphabet time. soup of frameworks. It, it's just like, yeah, it's all over the place. So what we got into a position where we started to have clients that I wouldn't have even expected, like logistics clients. Uh, customs and border protection coming down and asking NIST 800-171 type questions. Sure. Maybe not the full gamut of the NIST 800-171, but a number of them. They're and almost like, CMM seeing it, right? Like they're using a subset and going, hey, if you answer these questions, we'll consider or we'll do business with you based on how you answer that short right. section. And these clients were surprised to get them too. Right. Uh, and then, you know, our clients that work with the banks, the banks are starting to push really hard. Uh really the entire 171R2, they're yep. pushing down the throat, their throats. Uh, so I realized like we needed to get more in the game. So we have a compliance manager now that does all compliance stuff. Uh, I do a lot of compliance stuff too. Uh, the one missing piece I felt like we were missing was a SIM, which we can talk about, if, you know, if you're if your guests don't know what that is, we can talk about that and log analysis and a 24 seven security operations center that really could watch what's coming in off the sim and the log analysis software right and that was something i didn't think we had the scale to do in-house you know we're a decent sized msp at 20 people but like 
I wasn't in a position to hire five or six people to have a full-time 24 seven staffed sock at the, at this point, at least. So we selected a partner called scout. I recently was on one of their podcasts as well. Um, and they really kind of filled the final gap for us, which was SIM log analysis and the 24 seven sock, uh, and managing that part of the MSSP world that I thought we could bring it all together in an MSP MSSP package. So let's, let's talk about that for a minute. So our audience by and large knows what SIM tools are and, and what a sock is. I think you, you've said something though, that whether you outsource it or do it in house, that sort of like MSSP world is kind of when you go from all the stuff that we've talked about, and then you go and add the sock and the SIM, and then, you know, who's actually 24 seven doing that. And what's, what I think is kind of um, really evident is we go back in time, say five, six years when ransomware started to become really more than, uh, look, I did it. I broke something, you know, pat me on the back. And then it became the, oh, I can get money from this and people are paying ransoms. And like MSPs answered that with, uh, well, we'll restore from backup. And then it became less about the data recovery and more about where did the data go? What's being done with the data now? Not can I unencrypt it? Not can I get it back? But someone else is looking at this data. Now what are they doing with that information? So now we're back in this cycle of I've got to go back to protect, identify, you know, defend before we get into the respond recover, right? Like we've got to, we've got to do more preventative because on the reactive side, the stakes are much higher than they were even, I'd say even than two years ago. Um, you know, we see the celebrity stuff out there with law firms <laughs> having breaches with data. And, and so as you talked about this, you, you said one really key thing for me, and that is that you have in your organization, not one, but two people that are focused on the compliance and security. Like this is you know, like this is a big deal for your organization. You, you went from MSP and we do CIO and account management and let's do our quarterly, you know, the QBRs. And now we're talking about having conversations around the security and the compliance and the, what are the risk factors that an organization might have? You know, last week we did a conversation on input output, defining the why with a, you know, plug to Simon Sinek. If, if I don't know what the why is, I don't know what's important to your organization, how am I ever going to protect you or secure you? And, and you're going down that path by saying, we have put resources in place to identify based on the why for my client, how we get there. So as we continue this conversation, like talk me through, like, I feel like it was more from the, when you went break, fix, managed services, that was like this natural progression that everybody was going through, right? Like the industry yeah. at large, we had conferences, we'd go to these events and people were like, if you bundled and you do the cost plus or whatever it might be to come up with this magic formula per user, per month, whatever. Fast forward, I don't think the, formula... the Gary Peak all in seat pricing. Yeah. And, and, and whether <laughs> yeah. you were in the, the Paul Dippel camp or you were in the Gary Pika camp, you both came up to some formula that gave you this margin that you were happy with and you did all these KPIs against it. I think when you fast forward to say this last four, three to four years where we started to see this transformation of talking about security services, I like to say lowercase s because I think if you're an MSP at heart, you always will be because that's why you got into this space. 
you'll see a lot of the MSSPs. That's what they started out as, right? Like you're working with Scout. That's my opinion. That's a MSSP. That's what they do. Yep. Um, And that's all they do, right? But I think about this sort of transformation that you went through as you are layering on these services. You didn't just have the same, like all of a sudden I've got all these things that I need to put into a stack and call it my security services, even though it may have ended up getting packaged that way. I feel like there's so much more to it than that because if we if it was that easy, every MSP around you would be going down this sort of same path, right? Because it would be easy to do because we're all layering the security services. Why am I not just changing my name now to MSSP? Whether I use a little S or a big S, it doesn't matter. Mm. Yeah. Um, I mean, there is a lot more complexity with security, right? I mean, I, I think... I think there's a lot more complexity with the move to MSSP than there is with just going from break fix to MSP. It's not a checkbox anymore. Yeah. And and to me, that was more a model and a billing change more than anything than it was a, uh, a real hardcore technology change, you know, really doing security services for real and doing it right is extremely time consuming. Um, and we have to charge a fair amount more for it. I mean, it's not cheap. You know, that's, uh, you know, that's why, on, you know, for better or worse, a lot of our clients are not switching over even when we present it, because it, no matter what way you slice it, there's a decent cost associated with it. We'll just talk um, about firewalls for a minute. Turning on the logs, that's really all. I mean, we all could do that, right? But what about reading the logs? Well, and that's, and that's why we chose Scout for some of these services. And actually, you know, this brings up an interesting thing going all the way back to the MSP days. So uh, we tried twice um, and, you know, I'm not suggesting we couldn't have succeeded, but, you know, we tried Zabbix and Nagios to essentially build our own network monitoring platform. This is for uptime, not for security, right? And, you know, we had some success. We didn't have zero success. You know, we could detect server uptime, CPUs, but it was a huge time suck and a pain in the butt, right? Right. It's it's because it's a tool set. So tuning it is extremely difficult. It's time consuming, et cetera. We ended up eventually abandoning both projects that were internal and outsourcing uh, to Logic Monitor. Sure. There's a couple other ones out there like Avic and, you know, we've looked at the competitors. We chose Logic Monitor, you know, whatever. Right. It's a great product. And what's great about it is they do a lot of that tuning for us. Now we still have to deal with the remediation of the event, right? So the remediation still comes to us. We have to deal with the remediation, but I'm happy to pay them what we pay them every month to not have to deal with trying to run and tune and upgrade Zabbix and Nagios in-house all the time. So to me, what we're doing with Scout is actually very similar is like just buying a SIM or a log analysis software off the shelf, it's just a tool. Requires right. a ton of fine tuning. And especially because of the scale of clients we have right now doing full MSSP services, I'd much rather pay Scout what we're paying them to do their thing. They have a SIM program. I don't, you know, they, they have a SIM, they have a log analysis software. The key is, and they show me this in their reports, everyone, we got. 2,700 alerts, Right. But we identified only 38 as even relevant. Right. And think about the fine tuning there. I mean, there was all these alerts that were just completely irrelevant. And then they looked and found that only 11 needed any sort of looking at at all. And those 11 got pushed down to our team. 
So, you know, that was really worth it to me. It, again, it goes back to like, even if we were a hundred person shop, could I build that in house? The answer is I'm, I probably would have the capability to build it in house, but um, building it. Yes. I, Having the resources. To, well, like, let's, let's just say that you can, so we, we put our minds to, we can build just about anything. Sure. But can we scale that when we have to hire the resources to man that? So to be the person that's narrowing and tuning this down. So I, I would argue, and whether it's Scout or Temple or something, some of the other players that are out there, I think the point being is that you want somebody that's got resources that's doing the, like if you're evaluating a vendor's product for this, you better make sure that they have the capability to help tune it for you, even if it's an added cost for that, because most of us are not going to have the resources to do the tuning. So right. when I was at uh, at previous MSSP that I worked for, where we really were focused on the threat intelligence gathering and doing the security analysis and all of that, on the high end, on a, on a good day, capacity-wise, a security analyst can handle about two or three of our accounts. That's it. So if I got 30 accounts, this doesn't scale very well on my FTEs trying to provide that service. So when I look at SOC services today, I'm going, okay, I have 10 clients. I have 50 clients, however many it might be. If they're going to pay for the services I'm about to offer, if I'm pulling that in-house, can I scale it? And I don't think most of us, even if we can scale it, does it make sense? Because what happens if you lose one or two accounts, even though you're prospecting over here, you lose two or three and the next two or three accounts you onboard go, yeah, we've decided we don't want to spend the money on SOC services. You're like, well, now I've got FTE equivalents that are losing me money because I can't, you know, I don't have the accounts to support it. Mm -hmm. So I think that what you're, what you're hitting on is, is really important for anybody that's listening to an MSP you're going to offer security services. You are offering security services now. As you go sort of to that next level of, do I implement a SIM tool um, or SOC services? What does that look like? And I don't think it's a one size fits all either. So I've, I've talked to another MSP where they're looking at different EDR for servers than they are for endpoints because they're like, if most of my data lives in my, uh, Azure cloud infrastructure and my endpoint has a compromise, it's not the same scale if my data is protected uniquely in those two places where this can die, you know, that host endpoint can die. And as long as the data that was created is still surviving and living, it's not a big deal to recreate that endpoint for that user, even if that user experiences downtime while I rebuild it. Well, I think you bring it, I mean, you bring, you, that makes me think of another service that we're really pushing and working on right now is we're, we're bringing WVD to our clients, which allows us to both better fine tune security, but also the risk correlated to both data loss protection and being able to spin up replacement virtual machines for people becomes very so you're not fast. describing something that you get when you do things that are not safe you're talking about windows virtual desktop is that correct just wanted to make sure that we weren't talking about yeah no else. i mean that's just i understand that it was a jump to another thing but that's what it made me think that's of. okay it's like one of the one of the ways we're trying to eventually get away from even that being a problem is moving you know especially with what's happening with the pandemic right now you know so many people are working from home 
and looking for work from home solutions. And we have this huge problem right now, which is everybody just took their desktops home. Right. Now we have all these corporate resources sitting in people's unsecured home locations. And it's like, oh, I've like, got the Xbox it's firewall. It's a disaster. And you know, <laughs> we both know it. And so, you know, WV solves a lot of those problems because we can bring them all back into the fold. I mean, I look at like, uh, my mom used to work at CVS. My brother works at Vanguard. Like my, my sister used to work at the IRS. And like, they couldn't do anything on their laptop. Like their laptop had nothing on it. All they could do was Citrix. Right. <laughs> right? Get into Citrix and get into the corporate environment. Um, and well, even I, if we I didn't think... go home, even if we didn't go home, what, what is wrong with us? Let's go back just a little bit before the pandemic. Um, so today I'm in the Seattle Tacoma International Airport. And tomorrow I'm in the Marriott in Miami. I was changing my quote office 24 seven, 365 and no one blinked. Yeah. You go fast forward to COVID and it's like, wait, I went in home working from home and that environment's not changing every day at all. And I don't have thousands of other people trying to hit my firewall in real time all the time. And yet every MSP I talked to is complaining about it right now. Like, I, you know, this remote work from home, is really challenging. Like, okay, it is. But let's let's get over it for a minute. It's not about protecting the device and the home environment. It's about no. protecting the data, which the data. in ninety percent of the time. And, and where's that data living? Right, ninety percent of it never lived in my corporate office, anyways. Yeah, it was in three sixty five, or it was in an Azure file server, or it was in whatever. We haven't changed that model in the last twelve months. Yeah. Sorry, I. Got a little animated right there. I'm, no, no. I mean, I, I take think, my medication. I think the, uh, the probably the big difference is like authentication services. So those machines were domain joined. A lot of them were domain joined to local domains, not Azure domains. Sure. So like the the move to Azure domain, I think is going to be really important. I think duo two factor authentication is important. I think enforcing like lock screens is important because now yeah. they're sitting there with their kids or whatever and they could have sensitive corporate data up and who knows you know and not to totally squirrel but you saw LastPass getting rid of the sort of the free offering and i have i have a free account i'm, I'm sorry I, I wasn't paying on i do have a LastPass enterprise but i also have a last pass free and i was and i was reading an article that was talking about like what are my options so bitwarden and dashlane all these other products are out there well i stumbled across this product called mikey m-y-k-i and I started messing around with it. And what was really interesting is thinking about two-factor authentication or thinking about a uh, password launch tool that like auto-populates the, the fields, right? And so I was like, okay, I'm going to try this thing out. And what was really interesting about Mikey is instead of populating the fields when I go to a site that I need to authenticate, it requires me to take my cell phone and take a picture of the QR code that pops up on that website. And then it passes the credentials in. So... Mm. I no longer have to worry about that two-factor of just getting into the password manager. I now have two-factor two to apply the password to wherever it is I'm logging into. So like, I'm so glad that LastPass decided to drop free because it made me start looking at what's available and what's out there. And to your point, two-factors here. Like yeah. usability is friendly. Uh, it's it's not hard for my, my mom who's you know in her 70s to use 2FA, she's like, oh, I have to put the four-digit code or whatever it is that came to my phone. Might not be the best 2FA, but it's still more than I'm putting in a password that someone's going to figure out, and that's the only way to log in. Yeah. 
I mean, you would be surprised. I mean, we've rolled out Duo at scale, obviously, and there are people that just can't seem to wrap their head And I get but, that, but, but come on. Yeah. Like, let's think about what we did a year ago, two years ago, how complicated it was to have a conversation with somebody that says, you're going to need to use two-factor authentication. They're like, what's that? And you're going, yeah. well, it's not MFA. It's two. And like, what do you mean? I got to punch a code. Where am I putting the code? It's like, it will be obvious when it pops up on the screen. I'm sorry, I'm explaining it to you right now because it'll be easier to try it than to explain it. Yeah, 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 no, it's, it, it is interesting for sure that the change, I, I mean, people are changing, I think, as they see, see the, the threats evolve for sure. So. Well, so as we're, as we're kind of wrapping up here, Chad, I think we've really clearly articulated two things. One, Everybody has got MSSP written all over them. If they're serious about security services, it's just probably not the large S. What I think to your point, what we've talked about even before we got on the, the show is talking about when you add in SIEM services or SOC services, that's a big leap in the security services offering stack, both in your commitment financially and in what you're capable of offering to your clients. So yeah. I mean, I'm correct me if I'm wrong here, but I feel like you keep both of those S's capitalized. It's it's a true intentional transition from just managed managed services when you add those two things in, and maybe there's more. Well, you know. the, the way the way I actually kind of view it um, is whether you have an in-house IT department or whether you have an MSP. I view an MSP as being your in-house IT department. Yep. For a long time, we've always had specializations. Like we support the uptime for our clients' ERP systems, but we are not business analysts or assist, you know, operational automation specialists or whatever. Like there are third parties that come in and manage the ERP for our client to the effect of managing their business. Sure. We just make sure that it's up and functional and speedy and all that kind of stuff. And so Similarly, like we have clients that have re compliance requirements. We're never going to be a 3PA or a compliance shop or a risk assessment shop or a pen testing shop, but we can remediate those things. So just like if you had an IT department, you're like, hey, we got we to pass this compliance for this customer. They would go hire a 3PA, do the audit. The audit report comes back with 12 things that yeah. are missed. The IT department would take those 12 things and remediate them and you know, then, get a, then get a clean bill of health. You know, I, I view the MSP as still kind of being that center hub where we're the IT department. We're going to work with the ERP business panelist specialist. We're going to work with the 3PA. We're going to work with the risk assessment. You know, we're going to work with the compliance company. And in this case, like, and you're, as you're saying, the MSSP with the big S, we're going to outsource some of these highly specialized security services, but we're still managing them. We, we're like the general contractor, right? Some, no, no different than building a house. You have a general contractor because you have an overall arching goal of IT doing a bunch of stuff for your business. And uptime is important. Automation is important. You know, patch, all this stuff is important, right? Security sure. is important. And, but you need somebody that's managing all of it. But that manager isn't going to come in and grout your tub because, like, that's a specialized job. Or right. they're not going to do your plumbing or your electrical. And the electrician isn't the plumber either. They have specialized jobs. So when you have these really specialized jobs, you're still going to bring somebody in. And I think we do the same thing. You know, we bring in specialists um, to do certain parts of what we're looking to do. And then 
we manage those though. So right. we manage the sock, we manage those people and we manage their needs and requirements as they come up. Well, I think you just said maybe what I wanted to say, but I don't want to put any MSP in a position that says they can't ever achieve two capital S's. It's that at the end of the day, we're MSPs. We offer security services. We outsource the services we don't have the expertise for. But at the end of the day, we're going to remediate and ensure that based on the client's willingness to participate, we're going to give them the outcome that they desire in a most efficient, cost-effective manner that we can. Mm-hmm. All right. We're, well, go ahead. We're really, we're really, we're really direct with our clients when they, a couple of the questions we get quite often are like, you know, can, can you get me PCI compliant or can you get me? And sure. we're like, we're like, there's two parts to that. And the answer is sort of, so you still need to hire a three PA to do your PCI audit. Even but if you did, we'll the- come in and do the remediation. I would argue that even if you did the audit, there's there's a fundamental problem that most of our clients have, participation. So any client that comes and says, I need to be PCI or HIPAA or whatever it might be, the level of willingness to participate, and I don't mean writing checks, I mean the level of willingness to adopt new policies, the willingness to accept the changes to the device, that I think is almost paramount to all the things we've talked about. Like if the client's not participating, we're not ever going to get it remediated or get it done. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But yeah, no, I mean, I, I think, you know, we, we tell clients that very specifically, we're not auditors. Right. What we do is we sit in the middle and we make sure the remediation gets done. done. Absolutely. Um, you're the accountability for both sides, right? The client says mm-hmm. they need this. You're going to go grab the third party. You're going to keep the findings on the client account and say, hey, whether we're remediating this or the client's remediating this, this is what has to get done. And in order for you to fulfill all of those things. We're going to keep this on task. We're going to keep right. this moving forward. And like, and the same thing goes with the SIM sock and log analysis services. You know, we've always been very, very proud to say like, we're hundred percent LA based. We have all W2 employees here that work here. And that's one of the differentiators, I think, between us and some other MSPs that you'll talk to, ask them if they outsource. Right. I think you'll, I think you'll be surprised. Not all of them, but a number of them do. And if you don't like that, like we're an option that does not outsource. We, our knock services are here. Our people are here in LA during non-pandemic times. They're in our office, right? you know, and uh, you know, but with the sock, you know, we tell them we're very, we're very direct about that. We say like, Hey, look, this is a true 24, seven, 365 requirement. And it's very specialized. We've partnered with this firm scout. Uh, you know, I was just recently on their podcast too. People can go check that out if they want, but uh, you know, that was a very specialized thing that we need. Now, again, we act as the middleman. We're not a three PA. Right. We do we do the remediation. We're not an MSSP, as you say, in the most in the big sense with the capital right. S. You know, we don't have a sock, but we've hired an outsourced sock, and we still have to do the remediation, right? Like right. they they don't do the remediation for us. What they do is they fine tune the alerts and give us real alerts that we can act on. So and that's, that's an important service for us. So as I close this out, this is probably a topic for another episode. If I outsource my knock, am I an MSP? I think that I think that's up for debate. I, I, I think- um, I think it's definitely worth the conversation, both- I think, the, I think people that, I know a lot of MSPs that outsource their knock and, and, outsource, their help desk. and I'll outsource either part or all of their help desk. And I'm just like, you're just a sales company now. What's left? 
Right. Like, what are you doing? I, yeah, you it's know? called we sell managed services. So the, the S is still there. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's called selling instead of security. So, so listen, so, yeah, Chad, I, mean, I, 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 I would agree with you. I think, I, I think it's a slippery MSP, slope. You got the RMM and the yeah. knock and the service desk. Like, if you don't have control over that, like, what are you, what are you selling? So maybe that's uh, the, the topic for another conversation. Another another episode would be if we're thinking about managed services and we think about it from a security perspective, what are the components that truly make up an MSP so that you can clearly define and say, as you move forward, we, we can meet some of those criteria before we start talking about what we will and won't outsource to maintain that integrity because you are the, the, the place the client's going. So when bad things happen, you know, why did they happen? Where where did the container that is you, the MSP, uh, start and stop? I, I can I can tell you what our what ours are right off the bat. I mean, the the things that I think you need to have to be an MSP is you have to have some sort of consulting branch. People call it VCIO. People call it QBR. VCT, whatever whatever yeah. you call yep. it. Yeah, sure. You have to have you have to have somebody that's doing looking at the business and understanding how technology fits in. You have to have a service desk. You have to have knock services. So that's an RMM and a monitoring service, not mm -hmm. security monitoring, right, right. uptime monitoring, yep. making sure the environment is healthy. Uh, and you have to have professional services, somebody that can come in and install new stuff, right? <laughs> whatever, whatever you want to call that. And I, those, I think, are the things that you have to have to be an MSP. Man, I'm not sure that I was an MSP then because I was trying to think like how much of that stuff that I outsource. Uh, all right, that's a conversation <laughs> for another day. Uh, Chad, I appreciate you being on the show. We'll have to do this again sometime. And for those yeah, of you listening, sure. have a great week. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Thanks for having me.